Welcome to Keeping at Marion. I'm Father Thaddeus. And I'm Father Timothy. We are two Marian priests, and together we join Mary in keeping the Word of God and the events of our daily lives, pondering them in our hearts. Today we continue our journey through Jude, and we're going to inch ever closer to the end of the letter at this rate. Hopefully uh, we'll get through it before I turn 40. But <laughs> Definitely by the end of the year. So we're getting to verse 5 right now. So far, we've covered the opening of the letter, the salutation, and the occasion of the letter, the reason why Jude originally wanted to write the letter, and then what actually is on his heart as to why he's going to talk about what we begin today in this Divine Mercy edition of the Bible that we publish. The next part is on judgment on the ungodly. So we'll start with that. Verses five through seven. That's the hope today that we'll actually get through all seven or all those verses, but we'll see. So optimistic. <laughs> we should always have hope. Yes, we should. <laughs> Amen. <laughs> but we also should be realists. So let's let's do both. Now I desire to remind you, though we though you were once for all fully informed that he who saved a people out of the land of Egypt afterward destroyed those who did not believe. The angels that did not keep their own position but left their proper dwelling have been kept by him in eternal chains in the deepest darkness until the judgment of the great day. Just as Sodom and Gomorrah and the surrounding cities, which likewise acted immorally and indulged in unnatural lust, served as an example by undergoing a punishment of eternal fire. Okay, only a couple of verses, but there's a lot packed in there. Where do you want to start? Well, I mean, <clears throat> even the very first part, you know, where it says, I wish to remind you, you know, that he's always, uh, that is when I'm saying he now, um, God is always reminding us, you know, to remember, um, you know, even in the words of consecration, do this in, in remembrance of me, that there is there is something to be said about the importance of always calling back to mind certain things. And, you know, he, he mentions, uh, of course, now he, being Jude, reminds the, the, the audience that he's speaking to um, of, well, the famous, not just story, but the famous part of the Jewish people's history that is the flight from Egypt. Um, even they, year after year, had to remember that Passover, to remember, you know, that they were going to be, you know, sent out. Um, and sent out they were, saved they were. Uh, however, amongst their ranks, and this is the particular point that he's calling them to remember in this letter, is that even though they were blessed and freed by the Lord, how they had still grumbled, turned against him, went away, you know, sometimes almost seemingly overnight, you know, on the, on, on, it seems like on one day, yes, we will follow the Lord. And then the next day it's like, where's that golden calf? You know, it's just, uh, it's very interesting and, and uh, sad, but, but also, I don't know, oddly comforting to, to see how fickle, you know, humanity always is. But again, that's goes back to the importance of remembering. You know, that, that each and every day it really does behoove us to, yeah, think of the blessings, you know, not only in our lifetimes, but in a single day. To go over that, to see God's activity in our day and 
otherwise we will fall into sin. We will fall out of love um, you know, with the one who loves us most of all. Yeah, St. John Paul II in his letter on the rosary, Rosarum Virginis Mariae, when he added the luminous set of mysteries, develops the Jewish theology of remembrance. We often think of it uh, in terms of the Eucharist, which is our memorial or doing this in remembrance of Jesus at his own request. But as you pointed out, it comes from the Exodus itself because the original Passover was to remember yeah. their departure from Egypt. And St. John Paul II ties the rosary to this act of memory, this mm -hmm. act of remembrance that reaches its kind of summit in the Eucharist because that memory actually becomes reality. We don't just say, well, we remember Jesus in the Eucharist. He actually is fully present in the Eucharist. Um, but he mentions that the rosary, as it were, is an analogous prayer. Mm. Jesus doesn't become literally body and blood a present, but the events that we remember through the Holy Spirit are made present to us. And so even if we are meditating on the nativity or the baptism or the scourging, there is a certain sense in which by us remembering these things with Our Lady, they are also made present to us. Uh, and so as it were, the gap of 2,000 years is bridged through the act of remembrance. And in the book of Deuteronomy, Moses time and again mentions to the Israelites, you know, remember, uh, in the Lion King, there's that famous mm. scene yes. where uh, Simba yeah. is avoiding his uh, mission to be king, yeah. and the father comes, Mufasa, and the monkey, Rafiki, uh, Dr. Bob Schutz, and his podcast yes. has talked about how his grandkids basically have a whole theological interpretation of the, uh, <laughs> of the movie. That the Holy Spirit is much like the, uh, sorry, Rafiki is much like the Holy Spirit because mm. what does he need Simba to do to remember? And Jesus says in uh, the Last Supper, what will the Holy Spirit do? He will remind you of all that I taught you. So there's an intimate connection between uh, the Holy Spirit remembering and who do we remember from the Holy Spirit? Jesus, yeah. who he is, what he taught. And not just Jesus because uh, he became man and lived in Nazareth and Judea, but Jesus and all that's written in the scriptures, because as St. Jerome would emphasize, all of scriptures is Jesus Christ, the right. word of God. Uh, and that gets again to the title of our very podcast, you know, to keep it Marian, uh, to keep, you know, to ponder, to remember. There's a lot of activity that goes on with that, because how often we do forget, you know, we can sure. remember any number of laws of physics and chemistry and accounting and, and other things for business, which isn't bad. But we could probably ask ourselves how much we truly remember, ponder, keep these things present in our mind, and how many sins we would avoid, like Our Lady, who, in one sense, yet we realize it's pure gift, she was immaculate, sure. and yet she preserved that immaculacy, which Adam and Eve didn't do, because she remembered. Where they did not remember God's word, don't do this, she did remember his word, and by remembering, was able to fulfill his commands and remain free from all sin throughout her life. Yeah, and, and as you're speaking too, and this is a visual thing that helped me in the moment, and here goes our first tangent of the episode. Um, <laughs> but I, we were blessed years ago to have Dr. Scott Hahn come and give a retreat for the Marians. We do a, a, a once-a-year, like, five-day retreat, and he was giving the talks. And he was speaking of remembering, and I never looked at the the – etymology, but he made this interesting connection that definitely works in English, and I'd like to know how it might possibly work in other language, if at all. But he used the word dismember, 
as in dismembering a body, right? To take apart. Like that's what sin kind of does is it, it dismembers ourself, you know, it, it breaks us apart, but it also dismembers the body of Christ that it basically takes, you know, the hand and the foot and it starts cutting things off and, and it's a very gruesome kind of image. But to remember is doing the opposite. It's putting those members back on, grafting them back on. And that, that always has stuck with me, that particular image, you know, to kind of show um, just how powerful this, this act of remembrance is. Um, and, you know, with that being said, you know, let us not labor the point too much. Oh, I, I want to labor it oh. just a, a little bit more. Okay. Go to, for it. To, to use the idea of uh, Our Lady keeping the word and also giving birth to the word in Jesus. So I think it's a good uh, use of the words. I'd have to look it up to make sure about the etymology. Yeah. Remember and dismember. Right. Uh, also in one of Dr. Bob Shute's podcasts, uh, Restore the Glory, he talks about theology of the body and how the word for male in Hebrew is the same as the word for remember. Uh, zakar, hmm. which is also interesting and a little two cents that I want to add to that. I'm not a Hebrew expert, so Dr. Scott Hahn or others could probably sure. give a bit more detail if there's a connection, is the importance for men to remember. Yeah. Because in our culture, and especially I think as priests, you know, who do we see in church? You know, who, who's always praying for the family? You know, it's the mothers, it's yes. the women, it's yep. the grandmothers. Yep. <laughs> They're the rock stars. You know, the, the, the St. Monica's who pray incessantly for the, for the Augustans. And certainly... God be praised for the fidelity of so many women. Uh, but as I shared in my own vocation story, it's my father who made the big impact in my life. Yeah. And men, we have the responsibility to be the ones who remember. Adam was the one who was supposed to remember the word of God. Um, and obviously women too, but in a primary way, that's our first task, which is part of the reason too we talk about uh, the hierarchy, you know, priests, bishops, uh, those who are uh, ordained, you know, that were male, uh, not by way of exclusion to women, but that there's a particular task we have of remembering and reminding, you know, through teaching as well. And the last thing, and then we will actually continue, is St. John of the Cross, uh, when he talks about the virtue of hope, he mentions that hope is about remembering. It's about remembering what has God done in the past that then illumines the future. So just as God has freed his people from Exodus, from Egypt in the past, that then gives me hope that this God who acted in the past is the same God who's present today and who can still save us in our situations. And so the Eucharist is also, it's about remembering this is what God has done, and this is how he is present today and how he will act in the future. And so it gives us hope. Yeah. Uh, I just wanted to add that because uh, we think of faith often in the intellect. Love is an act of the will. And St. Augustine and St. John of the Cross, they locate hope as something of the memory. The more hope we have, a virtue, the more our memory is finely tuned to the past and the God who is always present and willing to repeat now uh, what he has done in the past. So my two cents before we, All right. we, we progress forward. So I desire to remind you, though you were once for all fully informed, he who saved a people out of the land of Egypt afterward destroyed those who did not believe. Wow, that's a, a bit strong there. <laughs> and perhaps I'll take even a, a step backward. And this, the subtitle for this section in my Bible here, the Divine Mercy Bible, says Judgment on the Ungodly. 
and we hear about this judgment, you know, God destroy those who do not believe. And I'll throw out the big kind of question here in my own mind, what do we do with this when we're talking about Jesus, the divine mercy, you know, as Marians, yeah. we, we promote the divine mercy image and everything. And then we read things like this. And sometimes it's a bit easy to, you know, just go beyond this letter or just yeah, like flip keep, the page keep and going, keep be going. Like, well, this is, you know, this is the stuff that we don't mention or that's no longer important. Uh, but as Jesus points out in his debate with the Pharisees and John, the Gospel of John, you know, you can't uh, bracket scriptures. You can't just like, right. uh, let's just not pay attention to that. No, this is the word of God. So I have my own thoughts. Do you want to add two cents before I... Only that I absolutely end. do echo the importance of, of sitting with these <clears throat> parts of Scripture. Um, you know, it because as we've already stated, like all the Scripture is, you know, uh, Jesus Christ, all of it is, you know, the, the Holy Spirit breathing truth, you know, through man to communicate something important for us to know. Um you know, and, and it's it the the most I guess, I guess terse way one could just put it is like, look, if you cut yourself off from the source of life, like you can finish the sentence already. <laughs> if you have a source of life and you cut yourself off, what happens? Right, death. Right, it's the only logical thing. There are no other possibilities. There is, you know, so now that that can come as very um, frustrating for many people. You know, they want to find all kinds of different sources of life, you know, but that's all it is a, a conversation for for another day. And perhaps we could get into like philosophy aspects and that sort of thing. Uh, if that's what people want, put it in the comments. But um, it, we are, of course, working with the Christian understanding of the world and both you and I, uh, if it hasn't become clear, like, you know, we've, well, we've come to our faith and our understanding, our belief, our, uh, experience with Jesus from, from different pasts. But ultimately, while we may not have said it explicitly, like we've settled on this thing because of all the things it's, it's the only thing that rings true, holy, you know, and I oftentimes think of, of, you know, Chesterton when he says, you know, don't, you know, I'm paraphrasing wildly here, but he says something to the extent of, you know, you don't choose a religion because it explains some things. You, you choose a religion because it explains everything. Right, right. And, and that's what, you know, uh, our faith does very firmly proclaim to do, a very bold statement. Right. And for anyone that, you know, if you want to challenge that, you, you have to... As Thomas Aquinas did in the Summa, when he goes through all the various objections, he does what's called steel manning. He doesn't make straw men, right? You know, but he takes these arguments about an article of the faith, and he makes it more strong than his interlocutors, those who have you know yeah. uh, raised these objections. He tries to make it as strong as possible, so that he can show that the truth topples it time and time again. Yeah. But that being said. Here we are wrestling with a hard truth that as you ask the question, how do we reconcile the fact that the Lord is merciful with the fact that, well, he does bring judgment as well. Right. You know, and, and so, and, and this, you know, to their, 
I hesitate to say to their credit, I've heard some people throughout my years voice concern over um, you know, one of our big charisms, if you will, that is to spread the message of divine mercy. Mm-hmm. They're like, well, what about his justice? Right. You know, and it's, it's, it's like, well, I, I <laughs> flippantly, well, what about his mercy? I mean, yes, we, he is going to be just, yeah. you know, and in the diary or, you know, uh, Jesus told St. Faustina, you know, this is the final time for people to come to me for mm-hmm. mercy. After that is my justice. Yeah. You know, and so he's not saying there is no justice or there won't be justice. There will be justice. But scriptures itself tells us that to the degree that we are merciful, God will be merciful to us. Mm-hmm. That's massive. So if we say, well, I will forgive up to this point, then God's like, okay, well, I guess I'll also in kind be merciful to you on your judgment day up to this point. Mm-hmm. I, if we're honest with ourselves and we know that we've done wrongs and we've hurt people and we've done all kinds of things, you know, whether it's just ignoring certain groups of people or, uh, you know, I struggle. I struggle with, you know, when I'm, you know, stuck in traffic and there's a panhandler outside. Oftentimes I don't have cash. But I'm wrapped in my head of, do I give money? Is this a scam? Is this da da Do I make eye contact? Do I make eye contact? They're going to knock on my window. I mean, and I'm like, I have to fight tooth and nail just to look at them and smile at them. And oftentimes we'll, we'll carry like holy cards and like, you know, soft granola bars and that kind of thing. So we can roll down the window and let them know. And I, nine times out of 10, I was like, look, I have no money to give you, but I do have this. And usually they're like, no, thanks. You know, they want the money and that's, you know, that's, that's fine. But my point is that's just an area that immediately comes to mind that I struggle hard, you know? And of course, when Jesus is separating the goats and the sheep, you know, that's one of the things he brings up. How did you treat the least of these? Mm -hmm. So all that being said, these are people Mm -hmm. and well, you know, as we'll get to it, angels as well, you know, so it's not just human persons, but but Jude is, is putting into context, he's, he's doing the separation of the goats and sheep, if you will. He's basically parsing out those in human history who set themselves at odds with God, his love, his life, as well as the angels who did likewise. And he's parsing them out and saying that, you know, yes, God judged them. You know, he, he brought death upon them. But one could also say, and this is generally, you know, what makes the most sense to me is they do bring it upon themselves. Right. You know, right. I have some time when we get to the, the angels, but the image in my mind isn't so much that, you know, uh, Michael like wrestled with Satan and, and cast him out of, uh, you know, he basically just said, there's the door. You know, if anything, he just got the door for Satan. You want to leave? It's up to you. You go. And he left in a, you know, in a, in a hurry, you know? So, um, that's that's the way that I've oftentimes reconciled these things. That mm-hmm. it, it it can be worded in a sense that oh God did this, God smited this, God you know, but it's the people. We have to see it in the greater context. We have to see what's being done mm-hmm. for God to bring you know such judgment. All right. You know, and and then you know that 
yeah, you'd have to go back and like actually look at Exodus and see all the silly stuff that was going on. I say silly, that's the nice way of putting it. You know, um, they were doing some bad stuff. Right. And you could look online at our website. There's plenty of stuff on the divinemercy.org that teaches about uh, the message of divine mercy because the devotion is one thing, what Jesus revealed to St. Faustina for Divine Mercy Sunday, praying the chaplet, the three o'clock hour. Uh, it's another thing, what we call the message of divine mercy, which includes a lot more theology and uh, biblical passages to understand the whole context of what it means when we talk about divine mercy. And I don't, there's no way I can rehash in this one episode no. all of that, but I, I do want to mention a few things as we go through these verses because this letter, let's say, is a bit more negative in its tone. And in one sense, I, I like starting, you mentioned about hard truths. Yeah. You know, faith isn't about cherry picking those things that just make me feel good. And in fact, in the catechism at the end, there's a paragraph when it talks about prayer. I think it was actually uh, youth catechism, if I remember correctly, the UCAT. And it, one of the questions, was, how do I know when I pray that I'm really praying to God and not just, you know, thinking something up? And the answer was, well, because sometimes we leave prayer a bit more perturbed than when we entered, not because God makes us lack peace, but because we can read scriptures like this and go, oh, it makes me a little afraid, you know, when we hear about judgment uh, and God allowing these people to die or sending punishment, because it, it raises all sorts of questions of the kind of God that this is. And this gets to what St. Thomas uh, Aquinas mentions in terms of God's attributes. You know, he's both fully just and fully merciful. Uh, for us as humans, we often divide the two. So, you know, you're merciful if you hand the, the, the food to the poor, if you give them the money that they want, or you're just if, you know, you say no and you tell them to go work. Um, but in God, both always go together. So when he's merciful, he's also fully just. And when he's just, he's fully merciful. We, we wouldn't say, oh, well, he's only merciful right, right now. And then like he had a fit of frustration. That's right. Bam. You know, he, he became just all of a sudden. It's like, it's not like uh, dad's in a bad mood right now. It's not, you know, it's like, right. it's not how it works. And, and that gets to part of the, the psychology of, you know, why therapists often ask, you know, tell me about your parents <laughs> tell me about your dad. Because uh, going back to the memory thing is that uh, a, a great distinction I learned in my studies of psychology is the difference between implicit and explicit memory. So you have implicit memory, which is when you're not fully aware that you're remembering compared to explicit memory when I can tell you, you know, I was ordained May 30th, 2015 at the Shrine of the Divine Mercy in Stockbridge, Massachusetts. Uh, I remember getting bit by a tick about 45 minutes before mass started. And so, I mean, I remember, I, and I know that I'm remembering. But the thing about implicit memory is we don't even realize we're remembering. So if someone, for instance, had been bitten by a dog when they're growing up, uh, they may find themselves when they're older, they're always jittery or nervous around dogs. Whereas another person may go right up to the dog and pet yeah. the dog. And, and the other person may not even be aware, well, why am I nervous around this dog? Well, implicit memory is they aren't thinking about it consciously, but their brain is saying danger. You know, a, a dog did this in the past. In the same way, we have to be aware how when we talk about like parental figures, and the catechism mentions this, you know, parents reflect or don't reflect who God is. And sometimes we have images of God's justice and punishment based on how our parents were, you know, when my dad, for instance, lost his patience. We all knew what was going to happen <laughs> uh, or when he was going to punish uh, what that was like. Uh, but God is different in that sense and alleluia to that, that uh, his judgment, his uh, mercy is vastly different than 
our human counterparts. And just to be aware of that, because as we remember, we have to be aware that our brain also implicitly remembers all sorts of other memories yeah. you know, as a child that then get mixed in to who God actually is when right. we talk about justice. Uh, because ultimately, um, if you listen, for instance, to Bishop Barron when he talks about God's wrath, mm. you know, it's God's zeal to restore order and harmony to life. You know, if you go to a poor area and someone wants to give the poor and restore the poor to their dignity, to give them home, life, education, you know, that zeal that something be set right, that's authentic justice. We often think of, of, as Americans of justice as punitive justice, you know, the, the spanking when something went wrong. Whereas here the idea of, of judgment, like you said, is it's the fruit of my own action. You know, if, if I cut the, the limb off uh, on which I'm sitting in the tree off, yes, yeah. I'm going to fall down and hurt myself, right. you know, kind of thing. So uh, when Jude here says you were once for all fully informed, I've already mentioned, but I think it's worth repeating. Adam was fully informed about what was going to happen. God told him, you will die if you do this. And similarly, as Catholics, uh, we have you know, the catechism, we have the Bible, we have tons of teachings this day, uh, today. And you know, Jude is pointing out 2,000 years ago to the early Christians, you were already fully informed. Why? They didn't have all the New Testament sure. or the catechism, but they had the Old Testament. And he's saying, you should be aware of what happened and you can't claim ignorance. And this gets to something in the catechism between uh, invincible and invincible ignorance, meaning we can be truly invincibly ignorant. There's no way we could have known something. Um, but for us, especially in the US or Western countries, it's kind of hard to, to go yeah. before the Lord and say, well, I couldn't have known. Yeah. Uh, the catechism's available online for free. The Bible's online for free. Uh, it's kind of hard to claim total ignorance. And so the ante is upped here because, as Jesus says, you know, to whom more is given, more will be expected. And you know, if you're listening, and I'm not trying to make you afraid, but you know, <laughs> to be aware, like to learn more about the faith, then, and this is what Jude is pointing out: to to learn more about the faith, to be freed by God, means you then have to act on that. It, yeah. It's insufficient to be like, well, that was great, you know, wonderful. I enjoyed listening to you both, and then we go back on our way. Uh, it requires conversion every time that we learn right. and that we remember. So they were fully informed through the scriptures and presumably through their uh, Sabbath synagogue uh, celebrations that he who saved a people out of the land of Egypt afterward destroy those who did not believe. And that's pretty harsh there. Yeah. Uh, but as you pointed out, I mean, if we read the Exodus, uh, holy smokes. <laughs> it's not just once or twice or three. It's just like how many times? And it, you know, there's there is that episode which is one of another one of those episodes to wrestle around where God is just like I'm going to smite them all, and it's Moses right who who steps up and says oh don't do it don't you know because and what's interesting is he's like because of your name that's what Moses mm -hmm. and here's what's beautiful about that is and this is one of those moments where I believe many and it's understandable. Many might think that God does have mood swings because when you look at these types of episodes, mm -hmm. uh, it's like, well, no, like Moses had to calm him down. Like, you know, it shows it right there in scripture. I liken those types of situations to what we now talk about when we're going through trial. And what we always share with people is that when we're going through a trial, it's not as if God is trying to find out, like, hey, I wonder what's going to happen in this situation. 
he already knows what's going to happen. Mm-hmm. The 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 agent that doesn't know is us. Right. We're the ones don't know fully what we're capable of. We don't know how fully uh, how strong our faith is, or in contrast, how weak our faith is, until certain things start to befall us, and then really, you know, we're we're able to have then the gift of humility to realize, wow, I have come so far, but I still have so much further to go. And in this moment here, back, you know, going back to Exodus and that that situation where it seems as though Moses is like, oh, you know, don't do it, you know. And what he's doing, whether he realizes it or not, but Moses does know somehow, like through God's grace, through his experience, through his own remembering, he does know that God is merciful, that his name, you know, his very being is mercy. And and what he's doing is he's placed in a position where he's able to say, God, don't be like us. Don't be like us who, you know, and of course God isn't planning on being, you know, he, he can't. He can't not be anyone other than himself, right? But now Moses has come to an even deeper level when he's able to argue on the behalf of such shenanigans that are going on and 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 treat the mercy of God, he then is now embodying that mercy of God and is able to be a more proper leader, even more so than he was the day before. You know, so here's really what's kind of going on in all these types of situations um, is that God is constantly wanting our hearts to be more and more conformed with his own. Right. Um, you know, which is a beautiful thing. You know, that that goes for for anybody who feels like they might be getting punished or smited or crushed by the Lord, and it isn't for any other reason, uh, ironically, than than for us to be drawn more closer and in, in, in conformity to His Son, so that we can more properly become sons and daughters of His. Right, and that's where if we talk about God's punishment, there are questions often: Does God a punish? It's not as if God from heaven, you know, this image of him like a Zeus with a lightning bolt, you know, looks down on us as shocked at, at how we could do such a horrible thing and then sends a bolt yeah. to make us afraid. As much as we understand, they're natural results of our actions. And that's how we learn. You know, even children learn that way. There are results. And by learning that, okay, that hurt, that didn't lead to something good, then I don't want to do it. And so in that way, God's justice is his manner of teaching us. It's not so much about, oh, I want to make sure that you feel pain because you did something wrong, <laughs> as much as it's the very nature of being a father that you, you don't want your son to enter danger or to experience death and pain. And so God programs the world in such a way that, yeah, there are evil effects for evil actions. Otherwise, we would never learn. We would continue in our sin and then walk straight into hell without even realizing it. Uh, which is the worst punishment of all, uh, according to St. Thomas Aquinas. He says that the worst punishment of God is when he removes all punishment for our sins and enables us to walk our merry way uh, and remain in our sin, which is a paradox because uh, when God allows suffering, when he allows pain, when he allows our conscience to scream at us, it's actually his love saying, don't walk towards the fire. It's going to burn Uh, and to save us both from temporal pain and from eternal pain and hell. Now, uh, we mentioned Moses, and I I can't help but go back again to the word remember, because 
in the midst of all the effects of their sins, you know, they rebel time and again, they complain. I think one of my favorite lines is, is that, you know, it was great when we had onions, celery, garlic, and leeks. You know, let's go back to Egypt. And I'm thinking like... The good old times. I know. I like, I'm from Texas, so I could probably go for like a good T-bone steak, you yeah, know, or something yeah. like that. But I don't think I've ever thought of returning to slavery for onions. It's all garlic. relative. I, and they must have really loved their celery. Well, I'm just saying. And like, they, yeah, they, they were just eating wafers of <laughs> manna, you know, yeah, whatever that, you know, so yeah. Yes, I, I understand. So... Uh, but so they're in the midst of all the effects of their sins. And what I see Moses doing is that you're talking about his intercession there is you know, he's remembering the name that God revealed to him because in Exodus, I think 33, 34, Moses asked to see his face and God reveals his name. I am uh, gracious and merciful to the thousandth generation, but I do not leave sin unpunished. And the point here is that we can so get so immersed in punishment, we get so immersed in the fact that our sins really do have effects, that something as Catholics we believe, you know, it's not enough to confess your sins. You have to do penance. You have to actually repair the damage that's been created by your mm. sins. Um, but Moses is remembering, but God is greater than our sins. He's remembering that God's name is mercy. It is grace. And that that doesn't change even because we change. You know, and that's our bedrock. And that's our bedrock, too, as we talk about judgment on the ungodly as we enter these verses. Um, because the idea here is that we need to remember, as you said, like God is different than us. And God makes that clear in various parts of the Bible. I am God, not man. I do not give free vent to my anger like men do. I do not break my promises or my word like men do. Um, and so it begs the question then, uh, you know, why did God destroy those who did not believe? And first, to put this in context, you know, Jude here is writing to Christians. We who have, in a similar way, you know, St. Paul compares the Exodus to baptism, walking through the Red Sea, dry shod as a, an image of our baptism, being freed from slavery to send slavery to Pharaoh. And what happens? They're shown time and again. God provides manna. He provides quail. He provides water. He's done the ten plagues. He's, you know, the miracle of the sea. He's proven time and again that he is with his people. And so in that context, then we begin to see, okay, why is it such a big thing? Why would he destroy them? Well, that's no small thing anymore. Yeah. You know, it, it's not as if God just from heaven said one word and said, okay, figure it out. No, he made himself very present. And Judah's warning us, all of us today as well, you know, we've seen many amazing things of God, not only the Exodus, now we know about Jesus and everything that happened, his passion, death, his resurrection. We also have the catechism, the sacraments, we know the saints, we know all these things. And it's a warning that we not just have intellectual faith, because what happened with uh, those who did not enter the promised land, they heard these things, but they forgot. Because what do they remember? They remember their life in Egypt. And this gets to the implicit, explicit memory. Mm. They had explicitly heard, well, God is the one who saves them. He frees them. But their implicit memory is what? Oh, I want those leaks. You know, oh, life was better in Egypt. Oh, at least we don't have to deal with this food. At least we didn't have to be in the desert. At least, you know. And, and in a similar way, as Christians, as the Lord leads us into freedom, we begin to complain too. And we can begin to say, I'm not so sure about this whole freedom thing or deliverance from sin or that I'm really interested in total freedom from slavery to sin. You know, there were some things maybe perhaps I liked. <laughs> and then I, I don't want to give up. Um, and there's a clear point here about, well, when we talk about heaven, you know, no sin enters heaven. 
right. and, and my book, uh, Shining in Spotless Splendor, I bring that up about purgatory. You know, God takes seriously sin. And I think that's something today that's hard for people is we, we begin to think about God as merciful almost in a way like, yeah, sin really isn't that bad. Mm. No, sin is that bad. Yeah, And his mercy is so much the greater because sin is the worst of all realities. And when we hear these words like destroy those who did not believe, we begin to realize, yeah, it's no small thing to lack belief and then to lack obedience. Because that's really the key here is it's not just they didn't think about what God said. They didn't put it into practice. So you mentioned, you know, temptation, moments of testing. Um, we need those moments to see, do I actually believe or not? Right. Um, and how can I put this faith that I know in my head into practice in my daily life? I don't know if there's anything you want to add to that or? No, it makes a pretty thorough covering of verse five. <laughs> <laughs> hey, man. Well, no, it's, I, it's, it's all great, you know, but uh, now I'm wanting to get to the angels in verse six. Yes, but I think to be fair to those who are listening to us, let's call it a day. I'll, I'll, I'll crash <sighs> my hope. I'll it hasn't crash my been hope. that long, has it? Yes, it has. <laughs> I'll crash my hope. I, I stand corrected, as you mentioned in the beginning, that there are some realistic hopes and some unrealistic well, hopes. Well, it's, it's good to shoot for the stars, but, you know. <laughs> well, we're grateful that you put up with us as we inch along, and hopefully uh, you'll join us for the next episode where we do firmly intend to get through the next two verses and uh, wrap up this short paragraph in the letter of Jude. So Absolutely. Thank- and I also wanted to just take this moment just to thank everybody that's been tuning in over these past couple of weeks. Um, <clears throat> we've done uh, you know, quite a few, uh, about half a dozen, I think, now. I think this is episode six. I've lost count. This is episode eight. Is it eight? Yeah. My goodness. But, uh, yeah, whether you're watching on our, our website, Divine Mercy Plus, or you're watching us on YouTube, and I know a lot of us, uh, a lot of our listeners, rather, um, listen to us through podcasts, just wanted to thank you so much uh, for doing so. Um, of course, with YouTube, you have the option of, of leaving comments, mm-hmm. uh, and we certainly invite you to do so. Um, and, you know, it's potentially a, a possibility. We'd like to do something like bonus material. Yeah, we're going to do it. Um, and and so one of my thoughts or one of our thoughts is to do like a question and answers mm-hmm. kind of session. So people, you know, feel free to, you know, leave, you know, uh, questions in the comment section. Perhaps you want us to go a little bit deeper on a particular point that we brought up. Or perhaps most likely I said something that wasn't quite as clear as Father Thad. That's kind of my... My jam is I leave things uh, a little bit uh, ethereal, um, but but absolutely we, we want to to you know listen to your feedback um, and and give time for those questions because the questions of your heart are precious questions, um, you know and 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 you should have a place. The church, honestly, throughout her whole history, has been open and welcoming to to questions. Um, because it's it's um, maybe I've said it before, but I I've, I'll say it again. Like you know, we, we never want to be in a situation where we take the faith as uh, uh, perhaps a parent that just says, "Do this because I said so," <laughs> right? You yes. know, if anything you know hasn't become clear yet, it's the one thing that when God says, "Do this," it's for our good. Right? It's for us to embrace His love for us, so that then we can therefore love Him and love others in our life. It's 
always, 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 always for our good. You know, and, and if we operate from any other place, then it's out of an, a place of error. So we definitely uh, encourage questions. And uh, yeah, hopefully we'll have some some bonus episodes on our Divine Mercy Plus platform All right. uh, in the near yes. future. Uh, but in the meantime, you know, keep praying for us and we'll definitely keep praying for you. Yes. And just to add quickly to that is... Uh, the questions are important. That's why we inch along because there's so many things to ask about even just a few words uh, in each verse. So hence why we take this very slowly because the questions are ways to really engage the text. Otherwise, it just becomes, again, information. That's right. Um, but the whole idea of this is this is what we live by. This is what gives meaning and direction to our, our daily lives. So, yes, pray for us as we pray for you. I'm Father Thaddeus. And I'm Father Timothy. God bless and thank you for joining. Immaculata Virginis Maria Conceptio. Sit nobis salus et protectio. Are you enjoying this podcast? I invite you to watch it as well. You can find the video version of Keeping It Marian exclusively on DivineMercyPlus.org, the streaming site for all things Marian. Join us daily for enriching spiritual content which will help you on your journey with Jesus Christ. Simply visit DivineMercyPlus.org for a complete list of our shows. That's DivineMercyPlus.org. Please follow or subscribe to this podcast to receive the latest episodes and updates. If you have been blessed by this podcast, I invite you to leave a review. Reviews greatly improve our podcast ranking and will help spread this podcast to other people throughout the world. Are you a Marian helper? Join our Spiritual Benefit Society and start sharing in the graces of all the daily masses, prayers, and good works of Marian priests and brothers all over the world. Sign up is free and easy. Simply visit micprayers.org. That's micprayers.org. Thank you and God bless you. Visit shopmercy.org to order your copy of my new book, Shining in Spotless Splendor, Consecration to the Immaculate Conception. Again, this book is available on shopmercy.org. God bless you.